He's just been awarded the freedom of his home city and indeed county, Waterford. Gilbert O'Sullivan, congratulations. Well, a nice surprise. I mean, obviously it's an honour. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of my roots and my roots are firmly established in those early years in Waterford. So it's uh, really nice. And you follow in the footsteps of people like Val Dunican. And yeah, I'm President Brendan Boyer. Yeah, and, and President Mary Robinson. So you've there's, right. a, there's a good pedigree, a good pedigree. Yeah, yeah. How are you? How I know it's your birthday month as well, fourth of December. How are, how are you keeping at the moment? It's good. I mean, we, we came back from uh, concerts in Hawaii and America just three weeks wow. ago, but I came down with a quite a bad um, chest infection. So I'm just about getting over that now. Oh, but yeah. other than that, uh, fine. Looking forward to Christmas with the family and stuff. So. And, That's good. and you're a grandfather now, of course. Yeah, grandfather, sure. Which proud. I'm dad, dad. I'm not a grandfather. I'm a dad, dad. Dad, dad. Okay. And what <laughs> age? Dad, are, uh, what age are grandchildren, Gilbert? Two and four. Ah, oh, wow. Two and four. Yeah. So, so it's great. Uh, I'm happy. And have them around the house. It's nice. And when they interrupt me, what I liked, or oh, when our children were growing up, Tara mm. and Helen Marie, I used to love it when they came in from school. I was in the middle of a writing. And they'd come mm. up and just platter all over the piano and the cassette. And I have nice messages of them interrupting me on my cassettes and stuff. So good memories of that. So it's yeah. nice with the grandchildren. I, I like all that. And do you like Christmas? Uh, yeah, of course. Family. Yeah. Just family orientated. And uh, that's all. It's about all together uh, and having a nice time. And do you remember as a child, do you remember Christmas as a child, Gilbert? Was there a ritual in your house of midnight mass and coming back or was it a, a quieter Christmas? Well, I, it's still Midnight Mass. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, still got a, we still got a Midnight Mass so nothing has changed in that respect. Yeah. You know, I'm a fairly, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a sort of a reasonably lapsed Catholic who, who keeps his, who keeps his foot in the door. Yeah, and, uh, okay. I have a nice, I mean, the deacon, the, the deacon we have here in Jersey are a really nice, uh, nice person. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it's, it's uh, it's pretty much the same. Obviously, my my pair, my mother has passed away. So yeah, we yeah. used to always go to my mother's for for Christmas. So that that kind of ended. But we make up for it in many other ways. And is your household now the the focus? Uh, only to not to everyone. To, to uh, Helen Marie, who who's based in London, she'll yeah. come with her husband and the two children. Great. They'll be she'll be here. Tara's here. Yeah. Kevin will be down the road. So we'll 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 all be together one way or another. And as I say. We usually meet up at midnight mass and stuff, and then we come back to one of our houses to have a nice drink and a snack. Yeah, great. And what about next year, 24? <clears throat> 24 is good because we have a, we've recorded a, a, it's called a songbook album, which is okay. Bill and myself. Pretty much is what Bill and I have been yeah, doing. Bill, the, great, the great Bill Chandler. He'll be, <clears throat> Absolutely. He'll be, he'll be with us on Christmas Eve in Grafton Street. He, he's in our resident band when we perform in Grafton Street. On Christmas Eve, so yourself and Bill have have put an yeah. album together. So we put. So they recorded. What happened was that the record company BMG saw us at the Barbican yeah. a few months back and, and thought it, it was great. The, the link the, 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 mm-hmm. that Bill and I have between us over the two hours, and they thought it would be good, really nice to have an album of that. So we've recorded it, and that will come out sometime next year. And and then we we plan. We've got uh, two in September. We have two in Dublin and two in Cork concerts. I think they're going to be announced on Wednesday. Oh, great. So that's going to be great. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's always a, a thrill to come back uh, to play in your home country. And have you a date, or have they asked you September, about September? You know, no, for for your availability for to get the freedom of Waterford. Well, I, I guess that will be the next stage, Joe. I, okay. I, it'll be a new a new experience for me. <laughs> okay. So uh, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be, be great. I know all my family will will want to be around. Wow, and brilliant! I know that already the, the emails are coming in from from various members of our family to to say uh, how thrilled they were to hear it for me. So yeah, it's going to be yeah. you know. It's, have you ever been to? Uh, yeah. What about yourself? Are you getting the freedom? Yeah, <laughs> where are you? Where, where are you from, Joe? Where, where are you from? I'm from Dublin, Gilbert, but I don't think I'll ever right. get. I, the gay born got the freedom of Dublin. And if you get the freedom of Dublin, and you too, of course, the four lads, right. and um, but if you get the freedom of Dublin, you're allowed graze your sheep freely in St Stephen's <laughs> Green. Now I don't. Right. Know. <laughs> That's quite an honour. That it's so, quite an honour. Having said that, having said that, I wonder what would be the the, the option of what could be achieved in, in Waterford then. I mean, will I get uh, 
get to visit the the factory where the crystal is made and yeah, be presented yeah. with something. Oh, you'll get. <laughs> they they still have a beautiful visitor centre in Waterford, as you know, Waterford Crystal. So mm. you'll be getting. Sure. I'm sure you'll be getting a piece of that. Clover Meats is gone now. You know that Clover yeah, is gone. Yeah, well, that's, that was my yeah, that was my dad. That's yeah. the, in fact, it was at Ferrybank that when he was coming back from work, he met my mother and stuff. Ah. We we talk about that. We talk about that a lot. Dad worked at Clover Meats, and then um, yeah. So, did that um, mean Gilbert? Did that mean he brought home sausages and rashers and a side of ham on a Friday? Well, that not in not in Ireland. Obviously, when we moved to England, yeah. then he worked he worked in a dreadful abattoir. I'd, oh wow! I wasn't I was I didn't like that. But that's where he would bring home. Um, various bits and pieces. I remember as a, as a youngster, they brought they they came with like a football made up of the bow or something, or the, oh, the, the bladder of a cow or something. I, I don't know. To a... Kick around, but, <laughs> but you know that it's... wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be happy about that now. But yeah. but as a child, to, uh, something to kick around in the street <laughs> sounds 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 something like a haggis. I, I there's a there was a big abattoir in Dublin. Gilbert, right. up right. there, up near the Phoenix Park. I went, I went out with a girl from there once um, that worked in the abattoir. She was a stunner. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, There's a it, joke it, in there somewhere. There's a joke <laughs> in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. She was a stunner. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not a very pleasant job to, to do Oh, it. can you imagine? You know, I, I remember after my father passed away, the, his, his workmates uh, took me up there to show me. And, wow. and uh, I won't tell you how the... The procedure for how the, yeah, they, they try, it's it's well, it's stunning, you know, but anyway, but that's, that's, that's you know that uh, somebody has to do it, I guess. And Gilbert, do you, do you eat meat? Will you eat turkey at Christmas and ham? Yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course. great, great. Yeah, yeah, another problem. Another and problem. Are, you, are you into cooking? Uh, on my speak, normally speak on freely, week, speak freely. On, <laughs> no, my speciality is is the chips on a Friday and ah. uh, a cheese dream on a Sunday. A cheese dream? What's a cheese dream? A cheese dream is where you put the cheese in between the two pieces of bread. Yes. It's like a Welsh rabbit, but you fry it. You put butter oh, on the outside. lovely, yeah. Butter on the outside and stick it in the frying pan. Oh, magic. And the cheese melts and you have, like, fried bread, which is uh, when we grew up. Oh, fried I remember that. A, remember yeah, that. Yeah, right. Fried bread. <laughs> and uh, have you fallen for the new, um, what's the new fad this year, the air fryer? No, I've okay. seen it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, we've talked about it, but I don't think we're going to go there. Okay. I think, uh, for example, uh, with chips now, we, we bought all the mod cons from making chips, but yeah. we're now back to the basket in the hot oil. Wow. That's the traditional old ways. We just have to be careful when you're boiling the oil, not to let it spill. Otherwise, okay. you're going to cause it. Okay. Uh, yeah. But you sound you sound like you're in great form, um, and it's a great honour, and it's well deserved. I think they took their time, but it is well deserved. And uh, please, God, everything, your tour next year will go well. Um, I wish you and your family, uh, Helen Marie, uh, Tara and Asa, and indeed your grandchildren, a very happy and peaceful Christmas. And uh, continued, Gilbert, continued creativity because you are one of the great creative fonts uh, and founts in this country uh, and beyond not just Hawaii, England, the States I'm thinking of all the people who recorded your songs so long may that uh, creative yeah. flow in you continue uh, Gilbert and then we finish on your song which you wrote and I, I began reading the, the lyrics I'm not dreaming of a, a white Christmas, white Christmas. Yeah, what? interesting. There's an interesting little story in that because yeah. when that was written in the early '70s, all right, Joe. Yeah. There was no. I mean, the, the amount of Christmas songs you have today is, yeah. is just incredible, right? But in those days, the only song that got the most airplay in '73, 1974, was Bing Crosby's "White Christmas." Oh. That was the number one song. Yeah. There was very few, very few uh, new songs, and so therefore, when I wrote the song, I wrote it based on the fact that. White Christmas was the most popular song, so it felt okay. to me a nice okay. idea to do the opposite and not have a White Christmas, but a peaceful one. Yeah. And I think today, and I think today, with what's going on in the Middle East and in, in Ukraine, yeah. a peaceful Christmas would be good for everybody. And the lyric is just so so apt, so apt this year, this year more than ever. I think Gilbert, given the sadness yeah. in the world yeah. and the, especially for children, I think it's a very very um, apt song. I wish you well, Gilbert. Uh, re- relax over Christmas. I hope the chips go well on Friday. I hope the cheese dream goes well on Sunday and then I hope on Sunday night when you uh, go to Midnight Mass you'll be as always in the warm embrace of your family Gilbert and and, and, and also can I just add that I wish you 
and your family and, and yeah. friends around you just uh, the happiest of Christmases too and uh, you know long may that and, and uh, look forward to meeting up with you maybe yeah, we, we can definitely. do some interview, you know when I've, we're over next year I've sat in the board gosh in the audience every time you've been there with Bill and um, I just mesmerise as always and I can remember Gilbert you being with your jumper with the big G on it being in the Carlton <laughs> cinema way back in the in the 70s uh, you go back that far yeah you, I do you, you I go do, back that far okay but the finish this is the wonderful Gilbert O'Sullivan the new who's just been awarded the freedom of uh, Waterford City and County no less this is uh, wishing you a happy Christmas uh, Gilbert and your family and we play out on uh, I'm Not Dreaming of a White Christmas Today we're going to continue talking to people about their fascinating hobbies. Tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to give uh, the authors who uh, self-publish our books, give as many of them as possible. We won't, we won't have enough time to give them a, a, a platform, but we will do our best. And then on Thursday, it's your vote on the highs and lows of uh, 2023. And then on Friday, it's Little Live Line. And remember the uh, voice uh, message uh, app for Little Liveline is uh, 087-4848-888. Just leave your, your, your message there if you want to review a book or talk about a teacher or a film star or someone you love or your granny or whatever. Uh, that's open to you. And then Sunday, Sunday, next Sunday morning, Christmas Eve morning, as usual, it was begun 49 years ago by Gay Bourne. We missed it two years because of covid one year in 2010, we did it when it was minus 10 degrees below. And the special guest that day was the wonderful President of Ireland, uh, Mary McAleese. And then the following year, we were back again outside the Bailey on Marks and Spencer's Corner. And it was plus 10 degrees. So that's the difference, I think, of 20 degrees in one year. Talk about climate change. So we will be there next Sunday. Come hail, rain, shine, snow or whatever, uh, entertaining you for the two hours. And please come along, especially if you want to say hello uh, to uh, friends and family who are abroad. And also we're going to obviously have a rendition on for the day that's in it, a fairy tale of New York and for the year that was in it with uh, Shane and indeed Sinead and indeed Christy uh, passing. OK, let's let's um, there's very few people, I reckon, listening today who would be able to tell me where they were and what they did on this day in 1961. But Anne O'Brien can, can't you, Anne? I can, yes, Joe. Hello, Good. and thank you for calling. So what were you, um, doing, what were you doing on December the 18th, 1961? Read, read it out well, to me, please. I will, of course. I was 21 then, Joe. Okay. And uh, I'm 84 now, so it's a long time ago. But anyway, I have all the, the diaries. I worked in Dublin in Lever Brothers on the East Wall, and um, the diary says it was freezing today. Okay. Came to work yeah. on the bus. Because yeah. I couldn't cycle in, okay. and uh, I uh, went to a party um, for the uh, for Leavers people, which was coming near Christmas. Oh, yes. And I just say I I, I worked in the laboratory there, and um, I showed the girls that came down from uh, Drogheda, where Unilever has yeah. their uh, factory as well. And uh, I showed the girls from the lab in Drogheda, and I won a box of chocolates. Uh-huh. And that was the. It, I only kept small diaries in those years, so okay. like little pocket books, you know. So you've been keeping a diary since <clears throat> when? A daily diary? Since, not, since that year, 1961. Wow. I'll be. I'll have. Um, I'll be starting my 64th snake uh, in Police Guard in January. But as I say, they were small. And uh, now I, in the 70s, I went into a bigger journal and I kept sports results and current affairs. And in the middle of all that, I might have washing the windows or something like that. And have you you ever missed a day? Never missed a day, Joe, no. And what's your routine? When do you sit down nighttime Um, or the following morning? When do you do your day in your diary? It's kind of sporadic, really. I'd... um, I'd sit down maybe in the evening or maybe the next mm-hmm. day, Joe, looking back on yesterday, you know, it wouldn't be written regimentally at nine o'clock or ten o'clock okay. any time. 
but I never missed today. Even if I was in hospital now, I'd, I'd you know, scribble down something. <clears throat> not incredible. Not incredible. Yeah. Um, and are, are you still pen and paper? I'm still pen and paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I use a computer. Um, not marvelous at it. But, um, no, I'm still pen and paper. And the writing is very, very different than it was when it was kind of copper plate. Magic. But now it's, it's hard to read your own writing at this stage when you're my age. You know? and is there anything on you would not put in your daily diary for the last 60 years and beyond. Yeah. 63. Well, it's funny, Joe. I, I got a present of it from a girl that was a lab technician with me and um, from, I think she was in Monaghan. But anyway, I made a vow that day that I wouldn't write anything derogatory. Okay. Because, you know, I had it in my mind, uh, the written word, and it can be read yeah, and this yeah. sort of thing. So I never wrote anything, but I did devise a little code, you know, that if I didn't like <laughs> you too much, I might Brilliant. be able to disguise you. <laughs> and as, as, would you allow other people to read your diary? Not really, Joe. Other people no. have never asked. You know, it's okay. a private kind of a book. Maybe my grandchildren now would, you know, but it wouldn't mean anything to them, you know. Where, mean do, anything. where do you store your 63 years of diaries? In two big boxes, Joe, nearly, nearly trunks, you know, but um, I store them there and I rarely look at them. Um, but now mm-hmm. I have looked at them this week because uh, I was sort of trying to write, yeah. some, you know, pick out things. Um, no, you don't. I, I'm happy to have them. People have used them in as much as somebody would say to me, you remember that that terrible storm? I remember okay. a sister in law and said, that terrible storm. What date was that? I want to claim on my insurance that something dropped off somewhere. Fantastic. And I was able to give her the date and the time and all, you know. And people would ask you, what day did so, especially family, what day did so-and-so died? Would you look up that or was born? Incredible. And Anne, um, okay, 63 years of diaries. What do you, God, and you have many more years ahead. What? No, not you, 62 years. I started in 61. Okay. Um, uh, so I have 60, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Anyway, 61 <laughs> to 2023. Incredible. And um, but would you would you give them to a library or? Um, well, I did read one time. historian about, or? Yeah, I did read one time about um, Trinity do uh, take diaries. Um, do they, yeah. uh, somebody doing a thesis maybe on... Uh, femininity in in the middle fifties to the okay. two thousand and twenty six, but um, I my family really haven't expressed a great okay. uh, inter- my children haven't expressed a great interest, but maybe at the time they're they're middle aged people now, yeah. but at the time um, when I pass, they might say you know oh, they give really, them to somebody. That's a really important. Maybe one of them first of all might digitize it. Um, yeah. In other words, photograph. Exactly. There's apps now. It can be done fairly, fairly straightforwardly. I think yeah, it's it's yeah. it's an incredible. Pick today, today in 1963, the year JFK came oh, to yeah. Ireland, and the, the year JFK was killed, December 18, 1963. Yeah, 1963. You, December. The have you got the diary? Yeah, have you got I the diary? I have that out, Joe. Well, yeah. can you can you flick back to November 22nd, 63? On November 20, the day that JFK was shot. Oh, yeah, I, I'd have to go into the box. Okay, now no, it's in the, the box. Okay. Hold on a okay. sec, hold on a sec. I might, same year, I might same have... year, same year, yeah. Same year, same year yeah, yeah. yeah. I might have a you get it out, you get that out of the box and I'll go to Jerry Riley. Jerry is in me. Jerry, what is your fascinating hobby? Hey, Joe. Joe. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity yeah. to be on the show. Um, and remember, Joe, the whole, the hobby... remember, Jerry, sorry for cutting across. The whole idea of the show is that you... Each each participant has got to try and persuade one of one or more of our listeners to take up the hobby. You've got to be evangelical. So what do you do? <laughs> the hobby I do, Joe, <laughs> with a great bunch of bunch of lads, uh, is we fly model aeroplanes. Wow! Um, as you may be aware, you know anybody around the Dublin area would always remember if you're ever up in the Phoenix Park. Yeah, they'd always go to the Pope's Cross and see uh, people flying model aeroplanes. Um, it's a it's a it's a great hobby, Joe. If anybody is into into aviation, mm-hmm. from kids to older people, I can remember even just recently we had a seventy year old man join the club 
fascinated okay. with flying model airplanes. And where do you um, where do you assemble now on a Sunday, Jerry? Uh, we have a club we're called Royal County Aero Modelers Club. We're okay. based out on a bog um, that's belonged to Barnamona. Uh, being a great supporter of the club. Wow. Uh, we yeah. have um, use of an old spent bog, which we've really enhanced to, uh, you know, the save it going idle. We have mm-hmm. two things for uh, for bats. We have owls that live in an owl box for the last four years, have reared uh, 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 owls as well for the last four years. Um, with a couple of people that have beehives on it, and yeah. they're thriving. They started off so with two beehives, now they're 14. So it's the Royal Royal County, obviously, in County Mead, Aero Modellers Club, and you meet in Kilron and Bach. Do, 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 air, do model, uh, radio-controlled model airplane uh, flyers, do they still meet in Phoenix Park of a Sunday? They do indeed, they do okay. indeed, Joe. There, there is a number of clubs throughout the country, so if anybody right. is interested... You know, the best website to look up would be MACE.ie, which is the Model Aeronautical Council of Ireland. Okay, MACE.ie. So they're, they're like yeah, so they're like okay. our governing body. It's a great website, so if anybody is interested... So what do you love about point, what do you love about flying model there? Do you, first of all, do you make them yourself? Yes, yes. Wow, you can, you you can buy them. them. You, can point, you can kind of buy them in kit forms where okay. you could spend, on average, let's say 30 hours putting a thing together. But there's a lot of lads out there that would buy plans, buy all the different types of timber and accessories and would make them throughout the, the winter months when things are, let's say, a bit quieter and you mightn't be getting out to fly okay. all that often. And then look around you in your mind's eye, Jerry. Is there a certain demographic agenda or whatever that it appeals to more than others? Unfortunately, these days, it is an old enough hobby. We have members in our club that are doing it over 40 years. So there does seem to be an older clientele. We do struggle to get younger people involved. I think what people, the misperception of the hobby is when when kids or daddies and mammy see these models, they think they're really expensive. And and it's it's not really an expensive hobby to get Mm. into. Yes, you will have to spend a few pounds, but... A lot of the stuff that you buy is a once-off purchase, so you'll have that for your whole. Okay. You, know, you, can, you, you, you can have ten planes with one transmitter sort of thing. You don't need to have one of everything for every model okay. plane that you and have. What, what about drones? Have they not replaced model aircraft flying? Drones, drones are it's a that's a tricky subject when it comes to an aero modeler, mm. Joe. To be honest with you, um, we are also now governed by the Irish Aviation Authority which is okay. great because you get help and support there. Um, as I say, MACE is our main governing body, which, 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 which well, runs the it, hobby. Well, like, can the droner and the aeromodeler be friends, as they say in Oklahoma? They kind of did. They kind of did. The, the thing about, I'm not trying to disrespect yeah. people that fly drones, when we fly a model airplane, we're flying it like it's it's, it's a real model airplane oh, okay. and you cannot take skill. your eyes off Just it. Great, great skill. skill. Well, I've seen that. Okay, like the it's drone, called, it, the, the website is mace.ie and that's where you get all the information. Thank you, Jerry Riley. Back to Anna Bryan, November 22nd, yeah. 1963. Have you got it for me? I have, Joe. Um, read, read it out or the following day or whatever. Uh, November, what did you say, 20? 22nd. Oh, 22nd, yeah. Um, uh, 23rd, 22nd, yeah, I have it here, Joe. Um, President Kennedy dies, wow. RIP, is that the one? Yes, yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you wrote it, and the news broke in Ireland around 6 o'clock, so you've written, you would have that's written right. that that night, that night. Uh, that's it, that's it. Um I went out to Kira's, a friend of mine out in, in Hope, uh, babysitting. And I have written here, um, I went to Kira's, uh, kids fine. Um, President Kennedy dies. And I had, she had um, an American girl staying and they hadn't heard it. But uh-huh. I, I heard it going out in the bus and... Yeah. Uh, I, I told her about it, and she—they they couldn't believe it. You know, yeah, they course. just couldn't believe it. But um, um, my something was pretty. Something I can't per. You see, if I if I got my magnifying glass now, okay. I could. But I, I have went to Paris and told them about 
Ken- Kennedy. It was sensational gay. Yeah, party. Joe. I remember. I remember. Joe, I it was, remember. It was yeah. everybody. And at work the next day, everybody was talking about it, you know. And then I remember listeners, when Anne says she heard it on the bus on the way out to Hoth, they didn't have mobile phones. Well, that would have been word of mouth gone around because it was such I a could, big story. Yeah, yeah. They were all, okay. they were, everybody was talking about it, you know. And, how, and I, would I, you believe it, Joe, yes. when he came to Ireland before that, I was yeah. interested because we cycled from Clontarf up to um, the whole road um, to see him coming in from the airport yeah. there at, um, what do you call it, Whitehall, you Whitehall, know? Whitehall, yeah, OK. And, I, I uh, just... I'm just wondering, uh, Anne, as I say goodbye to you, Anna, Brian and Limerick, I'm just wondering, is there anyone else in the country that has kept a diary every single day? I'll multiply it now on my calculator, 63 by 365, every single day since 1961. You must be the longest standing, and long may you stand, the longest standing diarist in the country. Well done, Anna, Brian, Colette O'Connell, I mentioned... uh, uh, John, uh, Jerry there, Aeromodeler, just mentioned beehives, and here you come. You are a, what, a beehive keeper, a beekeeper. Uh, or a keeper of bees, is what oh, we say. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I, I stand, we I stand corrected. We also have drones as well. Uh, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, drone, no. well, okay, Colette, drone on now about beekeeping. Tell me what you, lo- tell me what you love about it. It's a passion of mine and many others. It's addictive. Um, Once you start into the world of beekeeping, Mm -hmm. there's no stopping. Uh, You're constantly learning about these fascinating little creatures. Uh, We have a saying amongst beekeepers, the bees do not read the books. So we're kept on our toes. We never know what to expect. (laughs) Now, um, I I don't know, what's your position on people giving? Because you can buy, you can buy gifts now of a a beekeeping starter set, can't you? That's, that's right. And um, this is of concern right throughout the island. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Beekeeping uh, national groups uh, came together and we uh, signed a statement against the importation of bees because we're concerned about the importation of uh, pests, alien pests and diseases. Um, we know that uh, some people look to import Italian bees, Italian mm. queens. And in the area where those bees are coming from, there's the small hive beetle, which is not yet in Ireland. So, look, we want to preserve mm-hmm. our native uh, pollinating insects and honeybees uh, that are here. So we look to people, we're asking people, if you want to give a gift, yeah. give a membership to their local beekeeping association. Okay. The Irish Beekeepers Association have beekeeping groups throughout the country. And what you can do is you can, you, you'll get the loan of SIDS, you'll be mentored by some of the best beekeepers uh, that are there, and you'll actually find out about bees, you'll find out how you feel about having all these insects fly around you, mm-hmm. and you will get your first sting, because uh, inevitably it's uh, part of the course. Um, just to say bees don't want to sting you because if a honeybee stings you, Joe, it'll die. So it's okay. only to defend themselves or if the beekeeper is being too rough. Well, can you buy, a, can you buy Colette, an Irish hive starter set? Is that the right word? Well, yeah. But, yeah I mean, you, you can, you, like, uh, two of our members there, um, uh, 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 Rose Anne, she um, works uh, in the world of television producing and stuff. Her sister gave her uh, a gift of an empty hive mm-hmm. and a bee suit. And she joined the County Waterford Beekeepers Association. And she recently got her her cert in preliminary beekeeping okay. and she learned about the bees and she came to the local association and she learned about them and she learned how to handle them and she went off last summer with her first um, colony of bees that were locally sourced from the County Waterford Beekeepers Association. So in 12, so, 12 words or fewer, what, what do you love about beekeeping and why should I take it up? Because it's extremely meditative um, you actually you have to be very focused focused and mindful while mm-hmm. you're actually working the hive. It brings you out into nature. I've had foxes sit at a safe distance when I've been working my bees. Um, I've seen all kinds of wildlife. Um, you actually are open to a world of uh, nature. We do community planting that will benefit uh, honeybees and other pollinating insects, which we know are so incredibly important to our food uh, supply. We also have 
great fun and great laughs. Um, just to tell your listeners there, a couple of years ago, I um, had been treated for cancer wow. and a good friend of mine, we were like um, uh, spam busters, or uh, not spam, but um, swarm busters. We used to go around collecting swarms as we got the call. And I remember looking down one stage, I was up uh, alongside a tree and thinking, God, if my surgical team could see where I am now, <laughs> they'd be horrified. But we ha- you have a lot of laughs. Um, you know, even one of the beginners uh, who did our recent course there, we constantly laugh. We laugh more than as we okay. learn. And it's, it's okay. thing. And it's, it's there for young and old. Um, and you never, you never, you, everyone's welcome. You never tell anyone to buzz off. No, no, never. Uh, we have fourth, we have young kids, fourth year generation beekeepers, and they're involved. And it's, and women, women will love it. It's okay. so much female uh, world, you know, because okay. the, uh, the, men are, the, the men are, the, the male bees are only there for a few months of the year. Ah, typical. <laughs> it's, a female, it's a female world. Okay, Glenn O'Connell, you could be beekeeping as a hobby, as a, a delight. It sounds like an absolute delight. Edwards, Edwards Hayden, Edward. Good afternoon. What are you? What are you trying to encourage people to do in the new year? Good afternoon, Joe. Well, I'm here to uh, extol the virtues of amateur drama to you. Okay. Um, which is a fantastic, uh, a fantastic activity and a fantastic hobby. I'm chairperson of the Drama League of Ireland, which is a, a voluntary group of people who kind of, you know, work on training and education and advocacy and advising around drama and supporting uh, up to about five or six hundred groups around Ireland. Because if you think of it, Joe, uh, no more than the GAA and every kind of pocket of the of the country, there are uh, mm-hmm. GAA groups. Well, likewise, the same in drama. Uh, I'm living down here in Gwegnamana and if I was in County Kilkenny and if I was to spit, I'd land on about six or seven drama groups uh, just right. around me here across Carlow and Kilkenny and, and uh, Wexford, the, the borders. But listen, I suppose it's just fantastic. You know, I'm listening to all of your contributors there talking about the, the wealth of opportunities that all of these hobbies do. And they're all great. Um, I, I suppose I encourage your, your listeners today to think mm-hmm. of their last time to visit the theatre. Yeah. And uh, I suppose when you go to the theatre, whether it's a professional or uh, an amateur production, you know, there's an opportunity put in front of you to uh, suspend belief. You're asked to suspend belief. And you're looking at the depths of, of human emotion and and then they're in the endless possibilities that, that live on the stage. And that's what people are doing. So people are doing this as a shared endeavour. You know, it's it's really a, a, an exercise in teamwork because people are collaborating together, whether it's directors, actors, stage crew, front of house. And, yeah. wardrobe, you know, you really see that. Wardrobe, yeah. everything. Electrics, and regardless everything. of what your, yeah. what your interest, there's an opportunity to, as, as I would say, flex your artistic muscles and to be involved in something and something, Joe, that's bigger than yourself. And mm-hmm. not only are you getting enjoyment yourself from being involved in whatever facet. It could be making the tea, it could be doing the makeup, as you said, it could be stitching a, a bust seam or whatever and uh, also performing, getting an opportunity to, uh, you know, work on a text and really mine into the text to distill the kind incredible. of the, just, the message. Uh, it I is just, fabulous. And, and OK, it, please try and get involved. There's, there's No one is turned away. Please support your local Amdram group because they're brilliant. I, I go to one in Cool Greeny, well, it's an inch. Parish Hall and I saw this That's year right. they did an incredible production of The Year of the Hiker by John B. Keane and, and again at the last minute someone's cow was calving and they had to pull out so somebody got up and read the part which That's was fantastic right. it was fantastic and, and then there was, was directed by Maggie Murphy. Uh, Maggie Murphy, cool she's well known. She, and then a few weeks ago, I went to the Clontarf Players. They, they're an Amdram group and they put on Radium Girls in the Sean O'Casey Theatre. And it was fantastic. And the, the, one of the stars of the show, there was many stars of the show, was uh, Dick Tobin, who was in his 80s. And he was absolutely brilliant and he was on stage for most of us. So it's a great, great contact your local Amdram group, get involved, please support them, please support them. And uh, I think it's a great, great, it sounds to be a great, great hobby. That's Edward Hayden, joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Hobbies, enthusiasm and uh, New Year resolutions. Brian Mason now. I must say, I never, ever, ever took to it. But you want to be evangelical about 
course fishing. What is the difference between course fishing and non-course fishing and civil fishing? <laughs> How you doing, Joe? Uh, well, course fishing is kind of fresh water. You've got game fishing, which would be trout, salmon, and then you have sea fishing. Okay. But basically, course fishing is fishing on fresh water. So you're talking lakes, rivers, canals. Uh, and that'd be the difference, Joe, in the in the three types of fishing. But I prefer the course fishing because it's catch and release or whatever fish you catch. Ah, okay, it's catch and you release. Put, okay, yeah. Yeah, and you put them back. Uh, I've been doing it for years, Joe, and I just love it. Myself and my brother go down to the lakes or the canals down around Kingsport, carry it across. You know, there's plenty of fishing down there, and it's really, really enjoyable. And what? Like, I'd rather sit on a on a canal bank edge, as the fella said, and do nothing than fish. But what is what is? It looks like <laughs> that's what you're doing is doing nothing except sitting there and well being mindful, yeah. which is great in itself. You, you go down to the canal, you sit there on your your seat, and yeah. you're fishing rod and that, and you just throw out and you know trying to catch the fish. There's different varieties of fish that give you different fights, but. You're just in an environment on your own, Joe. You're 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 in the country and the wildlife yeah. around you. It's it's so relaxing, yeah. and you're on your own. You've got your own space. I absolutely love it, and I'd encourage a lot of people to take it up because very I much. Don't know, just after a, after a day's work, you can do it morning, noon, and night. That's the Fantastic. beauty of fishing. And how do people start yet? Do I have to join a club? That's a good question. Yeah, because. There are clubs in different parts of the country. Uh, I only know from the me then the thing that there's anglers clubs, and you join for a nominal fee of maybe twenty euro. Joe. Okay. But, but what the clubs do is, uh, you know, when you're on lakes and canals, they actually build these um, areas that you can actually sit on that you're not on the bank. You know, oh, they okay. make these wooden yeah, you have seen platforms. Them, yeah. yeah, and you've got these wooden platforms, so they do it, and they stock they stock the fish, and they look after it. You know. Um, so it's it's not expensive. It's like to buy a rod and set yourself up. You'd want maybe three hundred euro to pack yourself up, and after that, you're up and running. Okay. And when you set well, up on on the canal bank with your brother Brian, do you have your little? Yeah. You have your chair. Do you have your little layout? Your little routine? Your flask? Your sandwiches? Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. You know, Sounds lovely. You go down. You go down of an evening, say at half past five. You can stay till ten at night. So yeah, you'd bring your, your flask of tea and you'd have your sandwiches there. And and would you not oh, be? Joe, would, just would you, this is more a reflection on me than you. Would you not be sitting there doodling on your iPad or your your iPhone? The thing about fishing, Joe, is if you're fishing with a float. In other words. When yeah. you throw out, right, the hook sinks to the bottom and you've got the float which sits at the top. You yeah. have to watch that float 24-7. Ah, okay. Brilliant. Because Brilliant. if you don't, and it goes Brilliant. down under the water. So you have to concentrate. Okay, <laughs> well done, well done. Okay, that's so, Brian, Brian Mason. Contact your, your, again, with the internet, it's so easy now to find where all these different organisations are. Will you fish over Christmas, Brian? Uh, weather-wise, it depends. Okay. Like, I would fish today. Today's okay, but no, I okay. might leave and well, have you, other things on. Another, do you, I'm, I'm supposed to roundabout way. Do, do I need a licence? Can I fish every single day? Can I course fish every single day? Yes. Yes. And do, I, do I need a licence? No, if you just join an angling club <clears throat> or you've got stretches of water yeah. where you don't even need to be a member, like yeah, great. the canals, yeah. you can just go and sit there. Okay. Well done. Well, well that's done. what I'd recommend, Joe. Okay, Brian. Brian Mason. Thank you indeed. And Meath, on your Caulfield, you've an, you've an unusual one. What's it called? Well, it's Dungeons and Dragons. And what you play it? Yeah. So if you're sitting around a table with your friends, yeah. and uh, one person would be describing an imaginary world. So if you imagine something similar to Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, okay. So there'd be wizards and dwarves and elves and stuff. And there's monsters in those worlds. And everyone else sitting around the table would each have a character sheet and a set of dice. Mm -hmm. And they have to play their character. So you could be something like Gimli or something like Legolas. And you'd be playing a character in a story. So it's kind of like cooperative storytelling. And you have to 
sit around a table and see your character will be better at some things than they are at other things and you roll the dice to see how well they do so and you might hit the monster with a sword or a magic spell and yeah. So does so so it's a tabletop game. Yeah, a tabletop role playing oh, game. It's not a video game. Not a video game, no. Even though Although it, there it, are video games yeah, I've connected seen them, yeah. to it. But and yeah, I see yeah. there are no movies built around it, aren't there? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, like, how did you keep going, for example, during COVID? If it's tabletop. So there's the option to play it online. Okay. So the okay. part of the thing would be maps and stuff, and you can do those on the internet. So I run some groups online, uh, and it's a great way, like, you can connect with family from other countries and stuff as well. So I play with somebody in Canada, and somebody else is in Finland, and we can all kind of get and together. again, in your mind's eye, on you, as I said to Jerry, mm. look around the table. Give me the demographic and the gender uh, bias or otherwise in you the group. You would expect it to be teenage boys. Yes. But I tell you what, teenage boys grow up into to men, and there are a lot of men. But I tell you what, recently, in the last 10 years or so, it has exploded in popularity across the board. So we've set up with myself and my, there's other uh, women, we set up a little club between ourselves. We're all between the ages of 30 and 40, all women. Wow. And we set up a game between us. And then a few of us met with another couple of people, and we set up a youth club. And now we run Athenry Adventures in Athenry, and we teach okay. a bunch of teenagers how to play. And it was about 50-50 in terms of uh, the male-female split, about 50-50. So. Again, I would have said to teenagers, but you're saying, no, the demographic in your group anyway is, is totally different. Oh, it's it's across the board. It's, and we even run sim- simpler versions for younger kids as well. So okay. it's really like... And they Wide can, open. And I presume they can contact you online if they wish uh, to find well, out more. I tell you, we're going to have an event in February called AthVentureCon, A-T-H-E-N-T-U-R-E-Con, AthVentureCon. It's going to be in Lockray Hotel and Spa on the 24th and 25th of February. And it'll be a great way to get okay. into the game. We're going to have podcasters that run games live and have shows. They're going to be there explaining how okay, to play. Okay, just Google dun- Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons Ireland. It's a fa- fascinating hobby. That's on your Caulfield, David Ward. They get stranger. How's it going? They get stranger and stranger, David. But I know, <laughs> I, I know a little bit about your hobby. Tell us about it. Okay, so you got to cast your mind back over a hundred years ago. Yeah. Back years ago, showmen basically wanted to attract punters onto their fairground rides. Okay. So they'd invest copious amounts of money into having the most orchestral and most ornate fairground organ in the centre of the ride to provide music and to attract the punters onto the ride. So my hobby is in around mechanical music, fairground organs and all that kind of thing. Fairground? Well, what do you do? Do you collect them? Well, I've got one of my own. I bought it back in May. Wow. Uh, a very good friend of mine over in England, James Reid, he cuts the music for me, but he sort of deals in organs as well. And he'd got this one and said, oh, th- this would be good for you. You need to have this. And I said, oh, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to keep it. Come on. He said, you must have it. So that was it. We took okay. the plunge in May and bought the organ. And did, did he give it to you free or was it an organ donation? Oh, God, no. Not a donation. No, no, no. We had to exchange a bit of money all right. Okay. And I had a smaller organ as well. So we did a, we did a, bit, of a, we did a bit of a deal. But and is there anyone else in Ireland yeah. collecting fairground organs? So there are... A small few in the country, yeah. and my, I actually keep mine at a friend's place. He's got one as well, um, but we're the only ones that actually proper. I'm the only one actually hiring out the fairground organ in Ireland. Let's let's play. Can you up to you? Let's play. Let it snow on a fairground organ. Do you know? Have you been in Utrecht? Yes. Yeah. The National Museum. Yes, I've in, been there. Yeah. The Museum yeah. Spielklock. The very one. It's yeah. fantastic. Have we got the fairground organ there somewhere? Come on up. Is that, is that your organ, David, so to speak? Yeah, that's it. Oh, wow. That's the very one. And everyone would have a particular sound, would it? Every, yeah. Everyone yeah, would have, have a particular sound, yeah. Yeah, they've all got their own individual sound and play on a particular scale and stuff like that. And the, can, um, can, you, can you transport your organ around the country? 
Yeah, yeah. So it's in okay. a trailer. I just tow it on the back of the car and bring it all over oh, wherever wow. wherever they want us to play. We'll play. And where do you buy the the templates? The the car, you know the cards that you need to buy. Isn't that right? Don't you need to buy certain cards? Yeah, so a friend the, the lad I bought it off of, yeah, so James Reid, he supplies most of my music. Um, that arrangement of Let It Snow, a chap in Holland, Tom Meyer, he arranged that, okay. sent the arrangement over in a MIDI file, and then James punched it onto the onto the cardboard oh, for magic. me. And, magic, yeah, magic. Yeah. And when, is your fairground organ going on tour, or do you bring it out during the summer, or? Well, I'm, I'm I'm into going to steam rallies and stuff oh, like that. Man, so we, man, we, yeah. we we go to a lot of rallies with us, and anyone that wants to book us, it's it's available for hire, and and we take it all over the country. Okay, well done. That's a fascinating one. And go up and look. I'm say to people, go on to the the uh, website. I was in Utrecht visiting my son. That's how I came across it. And um, yeah. they have a fantastic museum of fairground organs and clocks and various other things. And it's absolutely thoroughly enjoyable. And the uh, the craftsmanship is just unbelievable. Is is Holland the capital, the world capital of fairground organs? It would be for mechanical yeah. organs. Absolutely, yeah. it really okay. is. Um, we go over several times a year to various festivals and different bits and pieces in museums and stuff, so quite regularly over, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Okay, David Ward's a hobby is fairground organs. Jack Cal- Cavaliviero, am I right? I'm wrong there in that pronunciation. What do you do, Jack? Cavaliero is the Cavaliero, Cavaliero, <laughs> pardon me. Okay, Jack, no you have an, an even more unusual hobby. What is it? I suppose you might say, so So my unusual hobby is that I like to um, clean up animal skulls for uh, display. Yeah. Keep, yeah. To- keep talking. So, like, um, what that involves is I, I'll find dead animals, might be roadkill, or if I'm for a walk in the woods or something, and I find a dead deer or a fox or something. Okay. And I'll, I'll take, the, take the head and, okay. yeah, clean it up and bleach the skull if need to, or maybe dye it a different colour, and then I have it for display on the walls or you can you know give it as a gift to someone so so you find a dead deer you would take the head and yeah. how do you how do you strip the head of the the flesh basically yeah well there's a few different techniques so it kind of depends on the size of the animal like you can kind of go the natural way where you can bury it into the ground and just let the little creepy crawlies ah. in the ground kind of eat everything away or you can do it yourself with a scalpel and kind of get as much as you can off um and then when you're kind of removing the tissues you can use like a little bit of bleach or peroxide or something that'll kind of break down the tissue and it'll whiten the bone as well um but, but there's loads of different techniques to do it depends like the bigger the animal the more aggressive you have to be but a smaller animal like i've done a rat skull before and that's really really oh, delicate look you've done it to be very you've done a yeah, rat very you've, careful you've done a rat skull it is yeah um, now luckily i found i found that skull it was just okay. sitting out on the side yeah. of the road actually and it, it, it there was no flesh on it or anything okay. so that one was really easy clean hear, but i can hear the sound <laughs> of radios being turned off all over the country and people <laughs> people running to the bathroom Okay. It's certainly, uh, it's certainly an interesting one when it comes up in conversation. It's definitely uh, uh, so like I could, I love it or hate it. <laughs> you could safely say I have a rat on the go at the minute. Yeah, well, I, I could say I have a rat yeah, on the go in, yeah. in, in polite conversation. Okay, so you've done <laughs> what? What you've done? Stags, foxes. Yeah, I've done. I've done a red deer. I've done a, um, a fallow deer. I've done foxes, badgers. I've done rabbits. Um, I've done a rat before. Um, that's all that I've done so far. Yeah, yeah. And who do you? Do, what do you do with them? Do you sell them? Do you? No, I display them or give them as gifts. So I oh, have okay. like the first one I ever did was a big um, uh, stag with a massive set of antlers that wow. my my mum had always wanted okay. one in the kitchen. So I did it up for her and yeah, okay. gave, gifted it to her for Christmas. And when when will you be finished the the rat that you have on the go at the minute? I actually have it finished. It's actually yeah. all done, and I I painted it with gold leaf, so it's looking very fancy. Okay, you know my address in Dublin, it's a live line, RTE Dublin 4. <laughs> Under no circumstances write that in an envelope and send me that <laughs> rat's head. By the way, do you, do, you, do you eat meat? No, I don't. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> it's, uh, it sounds a bit at odds, doesn't it? Yeah, but, no, that's um, fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what's the story about first dates? What is that? Were you on first so, dates? I was, yeah. I was on first dates now last okay. year. Did um, you bring, did you bring and, the rat? Uh, I didn't bring the rat, but I brought a fox and a badger up with me to show oh, off. Luck. And uh, luckily, now the girl I was matched with, she was she was into uh, into skulls as well. She wasn't turned off by it at all. <laughs> okay. And how did that go? 
It went really well, actually. We met up for a good while afterwards. It was a okay. great experience, yeah. What are you sending up for Christmas? Unfortunately, we actually were not in contact anymore. Ah, okay. The distance ah, was too far for us, yeah. Ah, sorry, my, my mistake. My mistake. But don't send her that rat's head. Sure you won't. She might I actually... Take... Uh, I actually gave her a rat's head as a gift, yeah. yeah. I did. That, that <laughs> might help That might help me complete the jigsaw of why you're not together anymore, Jack. <laughs> Very possible. I'm sure, Very you're, I'm sure you, you get on well and you had, you had good fun. Well done. Jack, where does your name, Cavalier, where does that come from? We think it's, uh, we actually think it's from Crete. That's as far oh, back. Yeah. We've traced it back to an Elias Cavalero who died in Crete. Oh, I thought you were one of the Cavan Cavaleros, but are you the one of the Kerry Cavaleros? Or what? I haven't heard of the Kerry or the Cavan yeah. Cavaleros. I must retrace them. Okay, okay. Well done, Jack. Well done, Jack. Jack Cavalero. Where is have I t- Michael Fitzpatrick? Quickly before the break, there's loads of people. Michael, your hobby. How you doing, Joe? Uh, ukulele playing. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm tell, a 70, 70, 73 year old uh, ukulele player. Okay. Um, started when I retired, but had this idea that there must be loads of people my vintage out there who'd love to start playing the ukulele, and put the word out around playing County Gildare where I where I live. Yeah. And the first night I had 38 people came to see what this was wow. about. Wow. And, and went to. Do I have sorry? to come? Do I have to come equipped with my ukulele? No, Joe, what we've done the first night, I went up to this fantastic, these fantastic people up in Nace called Donigan's and Nace, yeah. told them what I wanted to do. He said, take a selection of ukuleles. Here's one for you. I never met a man in my life oh, before. fantastic. Take, take a selection of ukuleles okay. on price and put them out and show the people what it's about and uh, bring them back to me the next day. Done that. We're gone about two and a half years now. And uh, somebody said, what do you get out of this? What I get out yeah. is when an 84 year old comes up to you and said Michael this is the best thing I've ever done in my life it's fantastic we've now started playing in nursing homes around the place and it's gone strength to strength fantastic well, that's well done and by the way how much to buy a ukulele well you can buy a ukulele you can buy a cheap ukulele joke which we don't really recommend I but know. a ukulele and, and anything from about 40 50 euros upwards you know okay and but, it's, are they, is it is hard to play because I know Declan Callis who does be with us on Funny Friday, and he's coming. He'd be yeah. with us, of course, on Christmas Eve in Grafton Street next Sunday. He plays the ukulele, but it's, so that means yeah. it's not hard to play. No, you'd be playing. <laughs> we'd be playing a, playing a tune within two weeks, Joe. Okay, within two okay. weeks. Okay, ukulele, yeah, ukulele. Good. Well yeah. done. And Michael, what did you do in real life before you retired? Me, I was a regional sales manager for a company uh, selling electrical products okay. over here, so, and. Uh, so I know what fell I, into this by chance. Yeah, what I'm thinking is, um, we, so this is your first musical adventure. Absolutely, John. Brilliant. My dad Brilliant. was no. My dad was a, an unemployed player in his youth. Oh. I lived in Inchicore, and he sent me to learn the violin and the accordion. And of course, they uh, weren't exactly the know, in the sixties. They weren't exactly the things to be learning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thrown throw them all down. Missed out these fantastic chances I had in life. But then came across this little instrument Great. called the ukulele. Isn't that? And you, st- and you started it when you were, what, in your 70s? In my Magic. 70s. Magic. So, Magic. Magic. You know, does anyone out there that age or around the clean area you'd like to join us? We're in uh, Millicent Golf Club every Monday night. I'm more than welcome to Okay. Join. Well, and, and, and even in your voice, I can hear the welcome, Michael. Michael Fitzpatrick, good meal, Mark, and a happy Christmas to you, Joe, at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Gloria. Gloria in Dublin. Hi, Joe. What's your hobby, please? My hobby is revamping dolls' houses. Oh. Go on, tell us when, how, um, how many. How many? Well, I've done, I'd say, uh, 25 at this stage. And uh, they've all gone to either uh, St. Francis Hospice in Rohini, Harold's Cross Hospice, or St. Vincent's Hospital, or the rehab over That's the years. That's fantastic. So where, for the Christmas you, raffle. Where do you find the doll houses? I find them. My husband used to go to the auction a lot, and so he'd bid mm-hmm. on them for me, bring them home. Or I'd maybe outdoor markets, and I'd walk around, and sometimes I'd see one on the stalls, so buy them. 
bring them home, sand them all down, paint them beautifully, furnish them, buy furniture or yeah. make little bits of furniture. And um, the ones I'd get would be only fit now for, you know, the bin, really. But you, you, do, so all, you do all the little detail, the little chairs, tables... Well, I wouldn't make now all you can them. Buy I would them, buy can some you? of yes. the furniture, okay, but okay. the whole house would be needing revamp and filthy, dirty, etc. From kids' crayons and paint and everything else on them, and uh, yeah, not fit for anything really. Only you know they're yeah. finished with them, and uh, then I send them back. The theme would be black and white with a red door, and they look beautiful. And is there is there a, is there a display anywhere? I'm thinking of Powers Court. I'm, I'm thinking of no. Every, the moving every crib year, of, I would have just given yeah. them to the hospice. They'd have them on display for about three weeks before their wed or their raffle. And uh, yeah, they sold an amount of tickets, which was unbelievable. And would you Great ever attraction. Would you ever sell them? No, no, no. I gave every single one of them away, really, well you know. And you're walking on one. You know the way a few minutes ago I was talking to Jack Cavaliero yeah. and he's walk, He's he's got a, a rat on the go at the minute, a rat's head. Have you any uh, dolls' houses Do on know, the go Joe, at the minute? It's the first year that I haven't had one ah. for a raffle in the last 20, okay. I'd say, 23, 25, I've probably given. Well, would you be, if, if someone says, I have an old doll's house up in the attic, yeah. would you be willing to take it? I'd be delighted. Okay. I would have loved to okay. have one, but no, I wouldn't be able to have that done for Christmas. Uh, no, this no, year. no, no, no. I'm not no. talking about it. No, what I do you? is I pick them up during Christmas the year and I'd work on it through the year and I give yeah, it to them then after Halloween so they know produce the raffle tickets and it's absolutely Brilliant. wonderful because Brilliant. it's a great attraction and Gloria did you have a doll's house when you were a child no for I Christmas? didn't Joe we ah, couldn't afford it I know what you mean <laughs> I know what you mean couldn't even afford a real house exactly let alone a doll's house <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a great hobby. I'll get you. Fabulous hobby, we and it's a great satisfaction to see. It might be a dirty, filthy thing comes in, and I, yeah. by so the time live, it's gone so out, it's wonderful. Okay, Gloria lives in Dublin. Our hobby is revamping dolls' houses. Um, and I hope Dara O'Brien is listening to the Minister for Housing. He'll give him another <laughs> idea. So many ideas in the go at the minute. Uh, and if. If um, if anyone has a doll's house up in their attic, and yeah. especially wooden if, now, I don't want wood. plastic. Oh no, oh no, oh no, that's not playing the no, game. You're right, no, wooden only, no oh, wooden only, wooden only. Well done, no. Gloria. Happy Christmas, Paul Harley. Paul. Hello, Joe. I haven't a clue what you, you, my hobby is lamp engineering. Yeah, I make um, lamps out of um, antique and vintage bits and pieces, like typewriters and cameras and fire extinguishers and things like that. You make a lamp, so... so yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I strip them down and uh, and I fit lamp fitting, the bulb fittings in there, and I fit a okay. dimmer in there. And I, and I make shades to go over them, mainly wow. made, made out of copper. And what's the most unusual... I love the typewriter one idea, I really do. And what, what's, the most, what's the most unusual lamp you've made? I think the most unusual would be a milk churn. I got an aluminium milk churn off a neighbour uh, who's a farmer, and I turned it into a cocktail cabinet. On, on the top, I built a... It looked like a still with two lamps yeah. um, that swivelled round, and, uh, and then I made shelves underneath out of copper and put a whiskey bottle and a few glasses in there make it look pretty. And would you sell them? It's sound incredible pieces of work, of engineering. Do you sell them? I go down to Ballymaloo House Craft Fair once a year. Okay. And and I I sell them there. But it's getting okay. expensive going to craft fair. So I'm, I've just moved house and I'm building a workshop and I'm hoping to, um, okay. to do stuff from home. And I'm hoping to sort of maybe... Teach people if they can oh, come well and help to put copper and Paul. Please yeah. do. And is that your background, Paul? Precision engineering. I was a precision engineer um, back in the UK. I moved here twenty-five years ago. Okay. And uh, and I've been since nineteen seventies. I've been in engineering, building fork trucks and the automation industry and the tobacco industry. Incredible. Incredible. I've often yeah. I'm mesmerised by those programmes about how things work, and you see these massive factories making chocolate and you just you're mesmerized by the by the machines the speed right. of them, we the were the precision fastest of cigarette them. making machine in the world oh. at that time we were we were turning out 
uh, 12,000 cigarettes per minute. Okay. You, were the, <laughs> yeah. you were the fastest cigarette... The fastest cigarette-making machine in the world. Paul Harley was part and parcel of making that. Part of that, yeah. <laughs> My claim to fame. The fastest-making yeah. cigarette machine. That'll never fit on your headstone, Paul. No, no. And we also <laughs> made the fastest make, um, banknote-making machines as well. You worked on that one as well? No, I didn't work on that, but the but company, company that I did. worked for okay. made it. And okay. we made the machinery that made tea bags, the, the, these triangular tea pad and Machines, tea bags. Yeah. We, okay. we designed and manufactured that machine. So the company that made the fastest banknote maker in the world, where are they now? They're not in business now. Okay. They didn't, I think they they didn't make enough notes, did they? <laughs> I, uh, I think they make it things under license to other people. Okay. Well, what a, what a, what a, what a, well, it's a profession, a trade, it's years of study, but it's a mesmeric profession as well, uh, engineering. That is Paul Harley. His hobby is lamp engineering. We'll be back after this break. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And remember, our new voice app, voice app uh, message is, um, Number is 087 I don't even have to look. It's so mnemonic and uh, harmonious. 087 That's not a... F- you don't ring and leave message. You record your voice message on your WhatsApp app, so to speak, and you send it to us. Um, where's Kyle O'Rourke? Kyle Orca. Uh, what is that? Hey, we're on. We're doing remote control planes. What, what's your one, Kyle? So I do uh, remote control cars in St. Ah. Anne's Park. I race them for sport. Because there is a track there, a lovely track. There is indeed, yeah. Yeah, you can see it there on uh, on Google Maps as well. You can get a good satellite view of it. Purpose-built track for Ireland. It's the only one of its kind on the island. It's a fantastic facility, I must say. So just explain it. If, you, if people were to see it, you go up, you get on a platform, you're looking down on a miniature Correct. Mondetta Park or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly, yeah, yeah. And you have the um, pits so we, and you have your car, you, your control, and do you race? Oh, we do, yeah, so we have little transponders on the cars themselves, and we have a, a timing equipment that will count the rounds as you're going around, right? And um, we can see who's the fastest, basically, that way. Okay, and what, how can people come up and see you, which means they might get in, interested and involved? When are you there? Yeah. Yeah, so we're there every second Sunday. We try to be there every second Sunday now. Um, okay. The best the best way to catch us will be on our website, uh, orcaireland.com. Yeah, we have an events great, page, and we, okay. we can see the uh, the upcoming events there. Okay, so Orca if anyone Ar- wants to, uh, Orca- orcaireland.com. I've yeah. seen it, and I've brought my children up to it when they're much younger. They absolutely love this mesmeric. Okay, Kylo Orca of Orca. That's remember that name for the website. Where's Dave Bracken? Dave, what is your uh, hobby? Hiya, Joe. Uh, I'm a member of the Model Railway Society ah, of Ireland. At last. Yeah, at last. Well yeah. done, well done. Tell Keeping us. the best wine to last, Joe. Yeah, the best That's line. You're, You're on the right track. Go ahead, <laughs> Dave. Tell us. Yeah, well, we meet down in uh, Dorset Street. We're yeah. in the old fire station. Yeah. We meet twice a week, Fridays and Wednesdays. Um, and at the moment, like since COVID, around COVID we had 80-odd members and now we're down to about 50. Uh, they're, they're a very old age profile in the club, you know. And what, what, so we're actively what is, looking for... What is, the, what is the psychology of model railways? Is it that you're, you're looking down on a world that you completely control and you say when, where, how, when you're looking down at your yeah, brilliant but, layouts? It, 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 it's a funny hobby, Joe. There's different sides to it. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm a collector, so I have to have the right loco in the right box with the instructions and all okay. this kind of stuff. Then you've guys that, like there's one lad in the club builds models from brass. He starts out with a sheet of brass and Good a gosh. couple of months later you have this magnificent model, you know. Yeah. And everything in between, there's guys run stuff, guys like to build scenery. Um, at the moment, like there's been a big transformation in Irish models lately. Years ago, Basically, the only thing you could get were Hornby English yeah, locomotives. Yeah, yeah. And now, in the last few years, a lad called, funny enough, Paddy Murphy, a decent man, he's brought out Irish locomotives, the ones oh, that you'll yeah. see running on the networks at the moment. And then after them came a company, 
Irish Railway models, they're bringing out wagons that run mm-hmm. at the moment, coaches, locomotives. So there's been a big upturn lately, you know. You can actually buy stuff that you see running down at the end uh, of your garden. And is it all on the same gauge? Um, I presume it is. Well, the, those models are, but there are there are several gauges. Like there's N gauge, which is very small, up to O gauge and gauge one, which is massive stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's everything in between. That's fine. That's fine. And what, like Neil Young, Rod Stewart, Frank Sinatra, to name a few, they were all big, still are. Neil Young yeah, is a whole. Yeah. Uh, he bought. He loved it so much. He bought the Model Railway Company, and he 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 has it. Um, and and like, do you meet? Once a week, or can I just play with my model railway at home in my attic if I have an attic? Well, yeah, it's it's a bit about like most of the guys will have a model railway at home, but we meet twice a week and we also run a big show once a year. Um, this year it was run, there's two clubs in Dublin okay. we're the north side and there's a south side club. Ah, okay, so this year the, the, the meeting was with the south side club over in Black Rock. And all the various clubs in the country will bring layouts there to display okay. what they've been at. I mean, recently we built we built a model of Ballyglunan, which was the the railway station used in the Quiet Man. Ah, magic! So we went magic. we went down there and we and measured it up to the inch. Sure, your your there's a reproduction of O'Connor Street in the fifties as well. That's right. Which yeah, is just yeah, magic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Dave Bracken, go to meet a Margaret. Jimmy Fitzgerald. Jimmy, what's your hobby? I take barrels, Joe. Ah. From all, all over the world. And how many? Uh, 14, about 1,400 at the moment. Pens? And, uh, pens? Uh, just barrels, ordinary barrels. Just ball, no, ballpoint pens, uh, not fountain yeah, pens. Ball, okay. ball, yeah, yeah. And, what, and where, do you, where do you lay them out, Jimmy? I, I, at the moment, I haven't laid them out. I, ch- I change the dress and I have them all packed away in the box okay. at the moment. But um, the, I, haven't, I worked in barrels all my life. Okay. And if you were a regular and you're going on holidays, uh, you'd bring me back a barrel from wherever you ah, go. Ah, fantastic. And uh, what's what's the oldest barrel you have? Uh, oh, Jane, I come, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm 79. I must, must be about 40, about 40 years, some of them. Fantastic. But so, so, some, but wrong now, Joe, that you can't write the, the ink is after drain up in the last, you know, okay. and they don't actually work. But you, but, but, you, um, but you look after them. I do, yeah, I do. I go. I used to go down to Glendalough. Okay. Uh, I have relations in the book, and I go down to Glendalough. Okay. And there's a little shop down there. They used to sell for charity packets of six for two euro. Okay. Six dollars yeah, from the, uh, from but, Eastern Europe. But you have factory names. And every buyer, every buyer tells a story. Okay, Jimmy, if you get a permanent place to display them, drop us a line. Matthew Gilson and Matthew. That's me. What do you you love recording YouTube videos? I am doing that, Joe. Joe, yeah, I'm doing that in my old age and in my retirement. Um, but three or four years ago, I decided to retire from my business mm-hmm. because my eyes went went on the blinker. Okay. And, uh, and then I said, "Sure, I learned nothing about it." I was eighty-one. I'm eighty-six yeah, now. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. And um, and what do you what what do you put up on YouTube? I sing my my songs. I've been singing all my life. I was on stage at the age of five, I think. Okay. In, in Trim, County Maid, and uh, raising money for parishes here, there, and everywhere. Okay. <clears throat> but and would, then you, I, would you put up an old Christmas song on YouTube recently? I have 140 songs up on YouTube, Joe. Good man. Have you got Silent Night? I have, yeah. I have. I, I sing it in harmony with myself. Okay, singing in harmony with yourself. I'll say goodbye to producers <laughs> Ned Egan. Ray Darcy is next. Singing is out today. Is Matthew uh, Gilson? His hobby is making YouTube videos. One hundred and forty them up at the minute, and he's going to sing uh, a silent night. And you'll have to put in the pictures yourself. Go ahead, Matthew. Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright, round yon bird. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.